When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Green Bay Packers beat the Cleveland Browns 24-22. Doug Lamarie's here with Ashley Bastock, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Patsko. Mary Kay Cabot, should the Browns have won this game? Should the Browns have gone on the road on Christmas Day against maybe the Super Bowl favorite and won? Yeah, you know what? I mean, this was almost the second game this season where a quarterback went out and threw four interceptions and won the football game. It could have happened. It absolutely possibly could have happened. Well, actually it would have been three and then try to win the football game, but they should have won the game. Uh, they, they had everything that they needed to win this game, even though Aaron Rodgers turned the first three of Baker Mayfield's four interceptions into touchdown passes on a night when he uh, surpassed Brett Favre's touchdown record in Green Bay. And it was all about him. Uh, The Browns came up big. That defense coming up with a three, you know, a three and out on their second drive on the Packers second drive of the second half, holding them to a field goal on their first possession of the second half was huge. And um, between the defense and Nick Chubb, so many good things happened in this football game that it is really a shame for the Browns and for their fans that this was not a Christmas miracle upset. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 126, one touchdown, also had that big screen early in the game, wound up as their leading receiver, three receptions, 58 yards. Ashley, did it Did it feel like this was going to be one of those games where Browns fans were all going to run out and buy more Nick Chubb merch tomorrow because he was such a dude? Yeah. And I mean, especially, like I said, on our little video that we did just before this, like he was had some big plays in the pass game, like converting that third and six, I think it was towards the end of the game to keep that what ended up being the last drive alive, even though it ended in a Baker Mayfield pick. I mean, that was a big time play. And he had that 40 yard conversion on the very first drive of the game. Like he did just about everything this offense needed in terms of making some explosive plays today. Um, And I think it was a big part of the reason why the Browns were able to hang around as long as they did, which like I said before in our preview pod that I wasn't super confident that they would fare very well in this one. And Nick Chubb proved me wrong in a lot of ways. And ultimately the turnovers, I think were just too much for, for anyone on this team to overcome. I think there was a lot of good football in that Browns performance today on both sides of the ball. I think there was good play calling. I think there were some good individual plays. They caught a break at the end when Devontae Adams dropped the pass that he normally catches. That happens in games. Dan, is that right? Am I being too optimistic or did you see some things that you thought, hey, you know what? That's pretty good. Yes, and that kind of leads to the crux of the problem, doesn't it? Well, why do you got to get to the crux so fast? Can't we dance around (laughs) the crux for 10 minutes before we get to the thing? I'm I'm going to steer it there because I I just think it's the story of this game. And I think, you know, there's going to be comparisons made between the Baker, how Baker Mayfield played and how Aaron Rodgers played, right? Because Aaron Rodgers is an MVP, all-time great, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. 
how about Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr, who led his team on a game-winning drive like five days ago against the Cleveland Browns? Like, to me, this team played well enough to win this football game. But your quarterback threw four interceptions, including one on a potential game-winning drive. And that's that's the story of this game. Like, your quarterback, like Derek Carr, your quarterback has to be at least good enough to lift you when your team plays like crap and win a game. And can't lose you a game like this that you should have won. I mean, you steal this game, you might be in the driver's seat in the AFC North. And, and I just think that's that's the problem here. And I know we're going to have forever to talk about Baker Mayfield's future, but I think today was just a very jarring, jarring. It was jarring. That's all it was. And, and I want to I want to throw this question out there because I thought about this because I have way too much time to think in the mornings before these games. Baker Mayfield shows up to Green Bay, posts the photo on Instagram. How did we all really feel? Did we all really feel like, oh, thank God, Baker's going to go win this game for the Browns? Or did we think, oh, okay, that's good. The Browns have their starting quarterback back. And I think that, too, tells you a lot about Baker Mayfield. I think he's better than Nick Mullins. I do. No, I'm not saying he's not, but I'm saying, like, we're too, when, when, when you found out Baker was going to play in this game, were you thinking, all right, let's go. It's a win for the Browns. Or, or was it just like, okay, they got their starting quarterback back. Good. I have I no thought- emotional attachment to this team. So I feel <laughs> yeah. flatlined when I saw that other than posting a funny meme of, uh, of uh, the mighty mouse. Uh, here I come to save the day. Other than that. I mean, uh, like, no, like, if, like if the Browns were playing Jordan love today, if Aaron Rodgers were like, whatever had surgery on his toe and it looked like the Browns were going to play Jordan Love. And then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers posts a selfie at Lambeau and is like, I'm going. We'd be like, oh, well, that's over. Browns aren't winning this game. You know what, Dan? I I, I 100% agree with you. It was a little bit underwhelming, uh, you know, when Baker, you know, when the bird landed today. I mean, it was a little underwhelming. It wasn't like, uh, you know, oh, my goodness, uh, well, you can't even say Lamar Jackson is back for the Raiders now because Tyler Huntley is is actually so good. But, um, you know, it would be like taking, you know, how you would feel if, if Patrick Mahomes came back or Josh Allen came back or Doug, if Carson Wentz came back. Stop it. Stop it. They are know. winning in spite of him. Go. I don't know if we want to go that far. <laughs> I'm joking. That was that was a little, that was a little Christmas joke. That was a Christmas joke. <laughs> but. So, yeah, it, it didn't have that feel because Baker just hasn't had a good season. I mean, let's all we have to be honest about that. Baker hasn't had a good season. He hasn't been a good fourth quarter quarterback. He hasn't been a good red zone quarterback. He hasn't been a good third down for the most part quarterback. He's just not having a good season whatsoever. And he picked the wrong year in which to have a poor season because now it is going to be now what? Now, what do we do? Do we run it back? Do we come back and do this? I will tell you what I listened, you know, you know, that whole Miles Garrett press conference. He sounded like a beaten down, uh, a beaten down defensive end. He sounded like a beaten down number one overall pick who feels like, you know what? We need greatness everywhere on this football team. He's never said it. He talked about sticking together, but there's just something about him right now that makes me feel like, did you see him dapping up Aaron Rodgers? He's out there dapping up. I mean, he loves greatness. And I, I think that 
somewhere deep down inside, even he wishes the Browns had an elite quarterback. Maybe they can win with a quarterback that isn't elite, but if you can find an elite quarterback, wouldn't you want to do that? You guys are cruxing the Jesus out of this <laughs> podcast. We're trying to talk about a game. It's like we're every, we, every podcast we do is about is Baker Mayfield going to be the quarterback here? I mean, if do we want to do that? Is that what we want to do? Because we could just do that for the next well, nine I months. Think, Here's the I thing. Think, I think his Browns career ended today, and I'm not even joking. I think this sealed it. I don't. I I, I don't think he's the franchise quarterback for the Browns. And like you made me say it, I was I was going to save that for like. 12 days from now. I really think that's what this is for real, but I don't want to talk about only that for 20 minutes. I'll, I'll just say this because, because I, because I understand that, but I'll, I'll just say this. Like, I don't even think it's like getting elite quarterback play. It's, it's like getting Derek Carr level quarterback play or it, it that's, that's the issue the Browns have. If he could be Derek Carr or I don't know, name any other kind of okay quarterback. You know, we've seen Ryan, a guy like Ryan Tannehill in this system. Now, he's struggled, obviously, since uh, Derrick Henry was hurt. But we've seen what a guy like that does in this system. And unfortunately, this season has kind of put Baker in a tier below that. And I think that's the most concerning thing. If we were looking out there and seeing Ryan Tannehill, it would be like, oh, okay, the Browns lost to the Packers. Baker didn't play well. But we're just not, we're not even seeing that. But anyway, you're right, Doug. That is a, that's an, an everyday, all offseason discussion. <laughs> all right, just real quick before we move on. Russell Wilson, the Browns quarterback next year. Yes or no? See, you made me do it. This is what you're doing. Um, You know what, Doug? I mean, I actually, you know, when we get done with this podcast, I'm going to sit back down and write my thoughts again on Baker Mayfield and what I want to say. And as I was talking it over and thinking it over, I'm, I'm not ready to say, you know, to write that his career is over column yet. I'm just going to write about the rest of the season. And my, my reigning thought on this right now is, they have two more football games that they can win and possibly have a chance to win the AFC North. If they're going to do that, and if they want to win any playoff games, they need to get better quarterback play. So I am going to try to like dial it back to what they have to do in these next two weeks. And then we can spend perhaps the rest of the next three months talking about whether or not he's the quarterback of the future and who the heck is if he's not. Now, the, the, the hard thing about this, and again, you, you guys are there. I'm sitting in my basement eating leftover turkey, listening to Troy Aikman. They, the discussion continues with this team about did Baker throw a bad ball or did the receiver not run a precise route? Were they a little bit off? That was, did Baker think the guy was going to be? The, the Njoku miss with a minute left on the sideline. Aikman's talking about that. That continues to me, and it is a, an exasperating situation to be in because either somebody's not coaching up the receivers to run the routes correctly, or Baker just misses, 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 misses. And both might be true because he also threw one behind in Joku that I think was on that drive that was clearly on Baker. But there's still some miscommunication stuff that feels like it floats out there sometimes that you flatten out your route. No, you went a yard deep. Well, that's why it missed. And listen, Scott, the guy, I mean, he got grabbed. DPJ got grabbed. I mean, everybody in the world believes that that should have been pass interference on the fourth and final interception. And maybe there's a case. I mean, DPJ got grabbed running down the field on the first interception. Maybe Baker should have taken somebody else on that play instead of going long. But it was awful. Jarvis looked a little more open than DPJ in the final pick. But I think DPJ is the first read, so he took it. 
Where does that get thrown in here, Scott? The defensive back grabbed the back of DPJ's jersey and held him back. And him getting held back prevented DPJ from getting to the ball. It's one of those pass interference calls where what the defender did prevented the receiver from making the catch and allowed the defender to make the catch. So do we throw in ifs and buts and candy and nuts on Christmas Day for Baker Mayfield, or is it four picks? That's not good enough, man. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to? It seems like every week it's always like, the like you said, ifs and buts. It's it's. I know. It's always something. It's how, how long have we been talking about other receivers running the right routes? Every, you know, what, three years now? You yeah. Know? I mean, throughout the entire OBJ you know, arc here. <laughs> Uh, it was it was that it was wondering who's in the right place at the right time and, and how much of this is Baker's fault. And I think to Dan's point, they they really need to get to, they really need to get to a place where they don't have to ask these questions all the time. You don't need you don't necessarily need that elite guy, but you like the the Buccaneers, like they had Jameis Winston. They didn't have to go out and get Tom Brady for that to work. They had a good team. They just had to get somebody better than Jameis Winston. And right now, uh, you you need to get to a situation where you're not asking these questions every week. Cause it is, it's a weekly thing. It's, it's dissecting the throws that don't work or the picks and wondering, well, how much of that was Baker's fault? How much of that was his injuries? How much of that was a receiver? And it's just nonstop. It does feel like homework and sort of to the point, like Aaron Rodgers is easy football. Baker Mayfield is difficult football. And it, like, I think that's like the simplest way to put it. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's throwing stuff from his flicking stuff from his hip 50 yards down the field. And every 11 yard out that Baker throws, it looks like he's getting his entire body into it. And he's got to make sure he throws it over the defensive lineman. And did the guy run the right route? I don't, the Packers never talk about did the guy run the right right or not. The ball just hits the guy in the hand. So again, it's a very tough comparison on this day for Baker Mayfield to be compared to one of the great quarterbacks in NFL history. However, Scott, I can't wait for the numbers to come out. They must have run a third as much 13 personnel as they normally did. Kevin Stefanski got a new shoebox for Christmas, and he got rid of the efficiency shoebox. I actually got snazzy new sneakers from my daughters because my sneakers keep me young. I'll show you guys when I get them. You'll see if if I look young or if I just look a lame old guy with. <laughs> are you, you going to show sneakers. us your foot? Are you going to show us your foot on like, Zoom? Yeah, no, Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I thought Kevin Stefanski got a new lease on life today because they did, as we said, they ran a lot more 11 personnel, Dan. Like, I like this better. But here's the thing. They opened it up. They threw it. I thought opening it up with more three receiver sets and throwing it more allowed the run game to function better. I know sometimes it's like, hey, the run game's working. Why aren't they running more? And it's like, well, when they run more, then it doesn't function. It's working because they're still threatening people with the pass. And the Packers played two deep safeties all day. You look at the third down play against the Raiders last week on the third and three that they didn't get. There's nine guys in the box. There's one safety deep. They were not selling out to stop the run. And I don't know if that's just their plan or if they were respecting the pass game a little bit, Dan. But I thought the play calling was really good. Last week, they ran it 24 times and it was 23 Chubb and one Dearness Johnson. This week, they ran it 25 times. It was 17 Chubb, four Johnson, two Schwartz, and two Baker scrambles. I like that mix much better. So I liked everything about the more wide-open offense, Dan, except it then allows Baker to throw picks. So that's the thing. To me, if they just stay efficient and three tight ends and everything's a six-yard curl, maybe he's not throwing picks, but it's also not scoring points. So I think you have to do this and then say, 
please don't throw four picks. Please just throw one. Please throw one because the rest of it works. Can you say that, Dan? Can I say I like the offense except for the four picks? Is that something that you're allowed to say after a game like this? Yes. I mean, look, this is what, right? Evan, we talked about this on this podcast before. Like you said, I mean, we wanted more receivers on the field. We wanted Anthony Schwartz to touch the football and run with the football. And here he is. He gets two end arounds that, well, a reverse and an end around to get first downs and he catches his first career touchdown pass. So, yeah, I mean, this is, I think, what people wanted when they said open up the offense. But again, to bring this back to the discussion, <laughs> Baker's Baker hadn't had a three interception game since the season finale in 2019. He threw, I got to look this up. It was 35 interceptions his first two years in the league. And you know what they were running a lot of those first two years in the league? A lot of wide open, heavy receiver stuff. And I agree with you. When you spread a team out like the Browns did, it opens up a lot of running lanes for Nick Chubb. But here we, you know, we kind of saw it again today, going against a good team, spreading the offense out, letting Baker chuck it around just a little. He threw four interceptions. So I, I just don't know. I don't know if he can function in that offense at an NFL level. And it just, it goes back to all of this. Like how much do you trust Baker? What kind of offense do you put around Baker? We're asking the same questions we were asking last year before he kind of took off. This is the ultimate yeah, but game. I think <laughs> yes. there's a counter for everything good that might've happened. And by the way, I was, I almost texted Mary Kay. Uh, I, I just want to make sure she hadn't fainted when she saw Anthony Schwartz getting involved so much today. And she'd been promoting that and strongly first, on our podcast. And scoring the first of his five touchdowns. Was, That's right. Mary Kay, you're muted. She's so what excited could, she muted herself. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been had he not had a concussion and a hamstring and those other four? And they could still come. There's, there, there are two games. <laughs> Is that where left. we are? We're there, are two, there are two games remaining. He could still get there. But he, um, he's still not a functional uh, NFL receiver. They got him the ball in the run game because they can't trust him to actually run routes. And then they forgot to cover him in the end zone because the defense was all messed up. So like, congratulations to him. He is not a functional NFL receiver yet, though. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, he's he's a work in progress. Let's put it that way. Um, but in addition to the four interceptions, OK, in addition to the four interceptions, we already talked about one, I think, on this podcast or the video that we just did that there was an, a drop, excuse me, a dropped interception by Eric Stokes. And then there was a dropped interception on the extra point on the two point attempt. So, and, and in addition to those things, there were passes that were just off, like on the potential game winning drive, that pass was thrown behind David Njoku. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So that could have been a big play right there. So before you even get to the interception, you could be possibly making the play that you need to make in, in that type of situation. So I think it's more, I think it was just more than the interceptions. And in his defense, however, I do think it's difficult to play with uh, an offensive line where there hasn't been any continuity, but for the most part, he had most of his guys. I mean, he, I think he had enough offensively to win. He had all three of his touchdowns. He had Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nick Chubb, uh, you still have Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. You know, I, I still think that you have enough to win this football game with that kind of a running game and that kind of a defensive performance. But if we're just talking about how they should play, they scored 22 and they should have had 24 if their guy makes the extra point. By the way, they make the extra point to open the game. 
they're going to overtime. They lose 24-22. It's just a it's a missed extra point, and then they have to go for two the next time. So, like, you know, but they scored, they scored three touchdowns. We were talking about all this stuff. I, I would rather have him throw here's the because the thing is, I'd rather have him throw two picks in an offense that can score three touchdowns than have him throw no picks in an offense that can't get that has trouble getting to 17. Right? Like in the end, it's about points. And they had some drive. So yeah, they had some mistakes. He had a couple too many mistakes, but I, I feel like Kevin Stefanski has lived in fear of the two interception Baker Mayfield game when actually you might have to live with the two Baker Mayfield interception game and a hope that opening up the offense, hitting a couple plays, you let Chubb get loose. That's actually your formula. That's why I feel good about like, this is more the formula. If you cut the interceptions in half, right? Like that, Dan, can't we see if maybe he won't throw four next week? Next week, just throw two. Then what might happen? Who knows? They might score 40 if he only throws two instead of four. It's all up to him. I don't, it, it's, it's just hard for me to say that because we just have, at some point, you're sitting here at the end of year four going into year five thinking, well, maybe if we try this. And we sort of have two years where they did try this. And he looked, he put up Jameis Winston type interception numbers. Scott mentioned Jameis. He put up Jameis Winston type interception numbers in those first two years. And, you know, we, we can make the excuses of the quarterback or the coaching situation, the, you know, Freddie Kitchens and all of that. But at some point, like, we've just been sitting here making excuses for four years. Listen, man, I, I don't know. That's, that's through, the problem. I'm just, to get him through the next two games. I'm just trying to get him through the next two games. Keep the 11 personnel for the next couple of games. I don't, don't, don't go back in the efficiency shoebox. Don't get scared off by the four picks and start throwing six yard passes to the tight ends all game. I don't think that's the best way to beat the Steelers and Bengals. I guess, but do you want to do you want to let TJ Watt and Cam Hayward just sort of tee off? I, I mean, I the, the Steelers are a completely different matchup than what the Browns face today, defensively. Yeah, and, and that's the problem. I think you could run this offense against the Packers. I don't know if you can do this against the Steelers if their defense is whole. You know what, Dan? That's exactly what I was thinking the whole time that we've been talking. The the Steelers defense has been playing pretty well. If they are the Steelers defense that we've seen over the past few weeks, actually over the last four or five weeks, really, with TJ Watt just kind of playing lights out. I mean, the the Packers really didn't have a guy like that, right? They didn't have the TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, Joe Schobert defense that the Browns are going to see on, on Monday Night Football. I think it could potentially be a completely uh, different game in terms of trying to move the ball. And I actually think they will, they might have to be less aggressive. And I think Baker's going to have a lot less time to operate. And I don't think he's going to be able to get out and move around. I think it's going to be a, a tougher game. So next week, by the way, against the Steelers, Jed Will's probably back. We think he'll be back. Maybe right. Chance to be back. Jed Will's back. Yeah, Antonio stays at left tackle. Wills goes to right tackle where he played his whole life. In college. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Why would you not do that? Joel Batonio yeah. is one of the 10 best left tackles in the league right now. That's working. Uh, that, that, because get hands off the field. Because Baker's second pick, the worst pick, he gets nervous when he doesn't trust his tackles. I thought that was like the number one thing they did in 2020. When he doesn't trust his tackles, he gets happy feet. Hans was kind of blocking the guy, but he was getting blocked back into Baker and Baker got jittery and tried to get rid of it and, and threw it high and threw it over Landry's head. But it's because Hans was, was in his lap. 
get hands off the field and Baker will be more confident. That's my prediction for how that works out. Nobody agrees. We'll take I a think, quick no, break. I think, no, no, I, I, think I looked at Dan in pregame and said, when we saw Blake Hans warming up, and I said, Doug might have a heart attack in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take a quick break. I want to talk about the defense a little bit and then that uh, kicker guy next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug back with Ashley, Mary Kay, Dan, and Scott. Who thought that if it came down to a game winning field goal, that new kicker guy was going to make it? Let's say it came down to a 44-yard field goal with three seconds left. Scott, did you think he was going to make it? Yeah, because I predicted they win on a field goal at the end. So All right, it was Scott. almost coming true. My prediction was like almost nails, man. Scott believed it. Ashley, did he you was think he it. would? No, because I watched him in warm-ups and didn't uh, think there would be a chance beyond like <laughs> 30. What, what was the longest? What, what did he kick today? 37? Didn't think there would be much of a chance much further than that. Dan? Not believing or believing. I'll I'll tell you this. The extra point that he missed looked a lot like the kicks he put up in warm-ups. Now, he was making them – that extra point surprised me because he was making them from, like, inside 40. But as soon as he went to about 40-plus, it was like, uh, I don't know if this is even going to make it there on some of them because he was putting it – I don't know. It was a mess. He got a lot of air under those kicks, and they weren't, like, very accurate. Yeah. Mary Kay, 44-yarder for the win. Is it going through? No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that would have just been a a crushing way to lose the game, but I uh, I could see that happening. So I did, Chase McLaughlin is like sitting at home saying like, ha, 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 you guys want a new kicker. How you like me now? So well, I, I always, I mean, I always say NFL teams show you their cards all the time. And the fact that Chase McLaughlin was still the kicker and this guy wasn't told you everything you need to know about how the Browns felt, whether he was ready or not. So let's talk about the last drive real quick before we talk about the defense. Then we let everybody go back to their lives, writing stories. The four, the first five plays of the final drive were Chubb. It was three Chubb runs, the pass behind in Joku, and then the pass to Chubb. And then Chubb came out and came to the sideline with a minute left at midfield. And they had not used any timeouts yet. I thought Stefanski made a mistake. He had a chance to use a timeout earlier in that drive after one of the runs. And I think he should have, I don't know why he didn't, but Chubb is breathing hard because he's carrying the offense. He's gained 25 yards on the first five plays. The four times he got the ball, they had that long. It's I timed it. He was, it was a minute 55 from the end of the play where Chubb got to first down before they snapped the next ball. But Chubb was out with the big blanket blanket coat on. And Dearness Johnson's in the game. Nick Chubb does not get back in the game. Nick Chubb is the entire offense for four of the first five plays of the final drive. He does not get back in the game. And the Browns wind up not using any of their timeouts. Why they have the ball. And so I thought Stefanski got caught. Because I think you were not only trying to save clock time there. I think you needed to give Nick Chubb a break because he was carrying the offense. And I did not think they had to get away from running the ball at midfield with a minute left and three timeouts. And they go past to Njoku that misses. Then they try the screen and it's there. And Baker, if he could have thrown it a little bit higher over the guy, the guy jumped up and made the play and knocked it down. That was there to Johnson. And then the third down plays the pick. So like, I'm not going to crush Kevin Stefanski for how the final drive went, but they got caught because I think the Packers had two deep safeties the whole time. They have, they're, they have them spread out with three receivers. There's three corners out there. 
they were not stopping the run. And I, and I thought they could have kept running it more. And I would have kept running it until you got in field goal range and then maybe try a couple throws. But do we think that not trusting the kicker was making Stefanski think, man, I, I'm trying to get this thing in the end zone or I'm trying to make it a 25-yard field goal. And that made them throw more when they maybe could have kept running. I think they should have run it some more at the end rather than throw, 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 and it's over. And I also I, think I they needed Chubb on the field. I, I agree with you there. And uh, and Chubb was huffing and puffing, so he he needed that blow. And he wasn't re- apparently re- not ready yet, but uh, I, I thought the same thing. They were running it so well. They, those guys were not stopping the run. They were so vulnerable uh, to the run. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, in you know, maybe at least on the first down, the, the Najoku pass, you know, maybe you keep keep it going there. Um, but, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was going to say, I think it was even the drive before that. I turned to Ashley. I said, maybe they should just stop throwing and just, just run it because, yeah, they were, they were cruising even in that drive. And Jonas Johnson had that 30-yard run. Um, Chubb was doing well. And, I mean, those last drives, the run game was just on. And, yeah, there, there is a strong case to be made for doing that, for just sticking with that and, and using those timeouts. Again, there are times we see seven, eight, nine guys in the box against the Browns. There were six guys in the box, like every snap, because it's two deep safeties and three corners out wide with the receivers in the game. I just really liked the way they were going, and I think Stefanski will look back and regret that. So the defense, Scott, on got to watch the tape. I think I asked you, what's the number of points that the defense has to hold them to to give the Browns a shot? I think you said 24. What did. did you and you were you talked a lot about the matchups and what does this defense have to do to give the Browns a chance? What did you think of how the defense played? You know, I thought they played really well. I mean, obviously they've been playing really well for a while. And I, and it's one of the things uh, I asked Anthony Walker about that. And he did, he, well, he kind of agreed, but he also said it's not good enough, you know, even though over these last two games, the, you know, the defense has probably played well enough to win. They didn't do enough, which I think is kind of a veiled shot at what the offense is doing over the last couple of games. Obviously they've had issues to deal with, but 24 points against the Packers on the road probably should have been enough. I mean, this is a team that was scoring over 30 points the past four weeks, as we've reported and said multiple times leading up to today. Um, but that should have been, and it almost was, you know, they had a game winning drive ready to go, but I think the defense overall, I mean, it's just somebody tweeted out. I don't know if it was a reporter or a, fan or what, but Joe Woods isn't going anywhere. And I probably agree with him at this point. Uh, this defense is, has become what I think we thought it could be, which is kind of surprising when you look at who's been on the field over this last month and how they've had to prepare for games, not really knowing who's going to be out there. I mean, you had Delpit uh, and what Javante Moffitt kind of rotating with Stewart uh, at safety. That's not great, but they managed and they made it through it. So it's, the defense is in a, in a in a good place. I don't think you can go into all these games saying, yeah, the defense should have been better because at some point the offense, I think, has to do something to take advantage of that defense. Mm-hmm. What did anybody else think of the defense today? Feeling good? Big questions? What do you think? I was just going to say kind of like building off of what Scott said, like all the pieces were missing. Like I was just thinking back to that podcast we did when the COVID outbreak was ongoing and we talked about the defensive ends and like not having tack McKinley, like what that would do to the line potentially. 
And now they don't have Tack McKinley for the rest of the season because he's out with an Achilles. And I just think given all the personnel things, like without him, without Greg Newsom in this game, like, yes, they still have Miles Garrett, obviously, who isn't 100% right now. They still have JOK. They still have Denzel Ward. But like all of the movement that there's been these last few weeks for these guys to really play as well as they have. I mean, I think it's impressive. And it says a lot that Joe Woods has been able to kind of put this together with chewing gum and scotch tape, essentially, at this point, these last two games, especially. You know, I, I think if, you know, if some of those guys had had been there, I, I think they're probably winning this game because, I mean, Jadavian Clowney just against the run alone is so good. Um, and, and he makes such a huge difference there. He also really takes some heat off of Miles and Miles needed heat off of him today. Uh, so I think, you know, I think that really hurt. Uh, you know, those guys rushed for over 100 yards, uh, 66 for Aaron Jones, but they came up with, with, you know, they converted some first downs that I'm not sure they would have if, um, if Jadavian was in there. I thought MJ Stewart played really well. I feel like every time I looked out, MJ Stewart was making a play. I mean, like he really stepped up to the occasion today. Uh, but still, of course, you know, it's, it's going to hurt you not to have John Johnson, Jadavian, Tack. Uh, I think the defense is playing incredibly well. And um, I think the future looks very, very bright. I mean, if we're going to talk a little bit about the future for Baker, we should talk about the future for the defense. The future is incredibly bright for the Cleveland Browns defense. It's only scratched the surface. Again, no Troy Hill, no Greg Newsome, no J- John Johnson, no Jadavian. So, yeah, it, it's a good defense. And it really is hard, like, Dan should miles like maybe have not played actually. And he just like refused to sit out because he, he didn't make much of an impact, but he also said after the game that his groin feels terrible. Yeah. You use stronger language than that, but I don't think yeah. we want the explicit tag on our pod. Um, I, I mean, if miles can walk, I think miles is going to play. And yeah. I, I think that's okay. Cause it's, it, it's miles Garrett and you want to have him, on the, on the field, regardless, because he can still figure out a way to make that. He's that kind of guy. He can figure out a way to make that game changing play. And Scott, you said it, Joe Woods. I, I don't see a scenario where you look at how this defense has played since. I mean, I mean that weird New England game aside, and we can call it weird now. Probably since the middle of October, or maybe on whatever, in the middle of November on. I don't see how you can look at this and say Joe Woods is the problem. I, I think this defense has been really, really good. We all know who the problem is, Dan. <laughs> Cruxed it off the, st- off the st- top of this mm-hmm. podcast. So listen, I mean, the idea of, of, of course, Baker Mayfield's going to play the last two games because you can still see, you can see when it works, right? And they have drives and it's like, well, he didn't throw 11 interceptions. I'm not trying. He wasn't picked off on half his throws. I'm not trying to spin it that way, but it's just like, you can see when it's functioning. And when they put a drive together, it's like, well, there it is. It's there, but it's not there consistently and he can't avoid the killer mistakes. And that's the whole point. But like you can't case Keenum is not going to get it done like this is long term. Yes, of course, there's a quarterback discussion right now. He just has to be better. And if he's a little less loose with the ball, give me two pick Baker in an opened up offense. And I think they have a chance to beat the Steelers and Bengals. And I know the Steelers are much better defensively. And I know it's going to be not going to be the same kind of thing, but they cannot just slam Nick Chubb into the line 
in 13 personnel. Like that's not it either. So I like the evolution of this. Yes, they will adjust to the defense they're facing and we'll end with this. Ashley, do they have, we always start the tough ones with Ashley. Ashley, this is the podcast defining question. People will be talking about what you say for the next five years. Can the Browns win their last two games and give themselves a chance to make the playoffs? Can they do it? I'm not going to ask for a percentage, not going to ask for whatever, but like, does it feel impossible or like, could it happen? I don't think it feels impossible. I think it can happen. Like Mary Kay's talked about, they do kind of match up fairly well with the Bengals, which we've seen already this year. That Pittsburgh game was just weird in Cleveland. I mean, I think Pittsburgh overall this year has maybe played better than they started the year out, but I think they can do it. I I don't think it's impossible. And I think I was very curious how the Browns were going to come out and look today after that Raiders loss. And if, they were just going to feel totally deflated and essentially just lay an egg in a tough environment on Christmas day. And I didn't feel like they did that. I'll, I'll get on the train with you, Doug. There, there were some good things today, minus the four picks. There were some good things. I'm agreeing with Doug. The world is ending, but I, I think, I do think given all of that, that it wins are still possible. You don't need to be totally despondent this holiday season. Dan, that's you're going to make us all be despondent now. Come on, Dan. Well, the key word you used was can. Yes. Not will. Don't be the Grinch, Dan. <laughs> so can they? Yes. Will they? I mean, look, they finally scored 22 points, right? The offense finally broke that 17 barrier, so maybe that's a good sign. I just, this team has been too weird, and they've been just too up and down, I think to, I mean, we've been saying this, it's going to be crazy next Monday night. Like that game, I think if they beat the Steelers, they might go ahead and just beat the Bengals, right? Because of that, those matchup problems. But I'm telling you, Heinz Field is going to be like, we've never heard it before on Monday night football. And if the Steelers are healthy and you got 52 other guys who are like, we're going to drag the corpse of Big Ben to a win over the Steelers in his last game at Heinz Field, that's going to be a really tough game to win, especially if your quarterback starts throwing it to make up Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I hope they're selling those shirts outside Heinz Field before <laughs> the game. Drag the corpse of Big Ben to a win. Go Steelers. Uh, Scott Pasco, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, they can, but uh, it, it could all – I mean, the Steelers could go out and beat the Chiefs tomorrow or on Sunday and, and really put a big dent in all that happening. And by the time the Browns get to that Steelers game on Monday night – the Bengals could have blown everything up by, by beating the Chiefs. So like, they, they need a lot of stuff to happen, obviously. Um, but I certainly do think that those are two, two winnable games for the Browns to wrap up the season. Mary Kay, I'm going to expand the question slightly before you finish this off for us. It's can they win? And then how do you think Baker Mayfield responds to a game like this? Because they can't win if he throws four picks again. So what's your final answer to both those? Does it have to be my final answer? Oh, no, no. We're going to talk about it for a week. So your answer for now. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. What they need is Juju Smith Schuster to just come <laughs> out and say Browns is the Browns. I mean, if they could whip themselves up into that kind of frenzy that they uh, got into for the wild card game, all bets are off. Uh, but no, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard because, um, because they're going to want to give Ben that proper send off and who knows what, the entire picture will be like by then it's going to be difficult. Uh, but I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say yes, they're, that they're going to, that they're going to do it. 
And I think they are going to do it with a sensational defensive performance. Jadavian Clowney coming back. John Johnson three coming back. Miles Garrett feeling a little bit better. JOK. Denzel Ward, who I also thought played really well tonight. So I think the defense can rise to the occasion and not and give Ben the Cleveland Browns kind of send off that Browns fans thinks that he deserves in Heinz Field. So I'm going to say, yes, they can do it because if Baker doesn't throw four interceptions and the defense has that kind of performance, they're going to beat Pittsburgh. They're going to be pissed. They're a better football team. So now the defense, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I really like Pittsburgh's defense. I like, I like their defense. I like TJ Watt. So, but I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say they're going to go into Pittsburgh and they're going to handle their business. I do think there is room because it feels like to me, this is the style of offense that Baker Mayfield has been waiting for that. He wants to have chances, right. To let it rip, rip a little bit more and not only throw six yard passes to the tight end. We've sort of been talking about that. Mary Kay, you've sort of talked about a lot this year about, is there a disconnect at all between what Kevin Stefanski wants to do and what Baker wants to do. So he kind of, you know, gave Baker a chance and he threw four picks and lost him the game. So I think there is an opportunity for Kevin Stefanski to say, see this, see, I, I did this and you threw four picks. Are you going to do that again, Baker? Are you going to throw four again? We'll go back to 13 personnel. Don't do that again. And maybe they can like figure out a middle ground here between the efficiency shoebox and the wild and crazy four pick game. And somewhere in there might be, not a great quarterback, but a functional quarterback who can allow a good running back and a good defense to give them a shot to win their last two games. We'll be talking about this all week on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Read Cleveland.com slash Browns. We appreciate you guys making us part of your Christmas. Thanks to everybody working so hard uh, on this holiday. For Scott, for Ashley, for Dan and Mary Kay, I'm Doug. And that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>